Welcome to my podcast, Exponential Intelligence. This is episode 93. We're going to be doing the second part of my interview with Will Allen, the director of the acclaimed documentary Holy Hell, which follows his 22-year journey as a member of a dark cult. This film was moving to me because it really showed the inner workings of how cults work, and, uh, and it shows that highly intelligent individuals can get sucked into a cult. Uh, we're going to go into the mechanics, the logistics on how it works and what Will and I are going to do. Just like the first part, he's going to go through his experiences of what he you know, experienced, what he thought was uh, going on, and then I explained the back-end frequencies that actually say control the situation. Very interesting. Uh, so let's go on. Let's go ahead with it. Let's talk about some of the differences between, say, meditation, types of meditation that he does and what I do, okay? Because, again, it's it's really all the same tools. It's really not anything different, but how they use the tools to control you. So on meditation, how did he, say, teach you to meditate? It went through different phases as we grew and over the years, but it was always he was – well, let's just put it this way. He was way further along than we were, which is fine. I, I accepted that. Um, and eventually his meditation was he was trying to help us meditate, supposedly. And he would tell us to connect to him or to his being. He pretty much placed himself in that state of, of meditation that if we can't tap into it on our own, we can tap into him and, and, and feel it through him until we can learn our own. That's kind of how I think I understood it at the very beginning. You know, like, okay, well, you're just, the, you're just that tuning fork that's going to tune mine, or you're the candle that's going to light my candle. You know, right. no big deal. Um, but really, it became enmeshed and immersed in our, in inside, in the meditation. I would go into meditation to the space inside me, and his presence would be there, or I would identify that as his presence also. So when this whole thing ended, terribly it was very difficult to go visit that sacred space inside myself because it had his energy his i would say it has his fingerprints all over the place yeah like he'd been here you know what i mean this wasn't mine you know how did he get in there i mean how did this person infiltrate that space when really at the beginning that was not the, the point mm-hmm. uh, you know churches do that as, as well by using rosaries by using certain prayers, certain situations, uh, because it's all bound by certain frequencies in the backdrop. So when you use those frequencies, you get drawn in, whether you're aware of it, you're, whether you're aware of it or not. Uh, and then generation after generation, they practice the same traditions, and it's very similar to that. Um, the difference between obviously what I do is in any of the 21 days uh, that we do or anything like that. I always help you identify with who you are. I always, and, and you didn't talk about this, well, uh, but about losing your own identity. Uh, and maybe we should, we'll talk about it. But in meditation, I always stress the importance of knowing your own body, noticing the perimeter of your body, and noticing, say, that security space that you talk about, right? Uh, about, which is about a foot, uh, not a foot, sorry, but, uh, arm's length all the way around you above, below. Do you want to talk more about that? 
Yeah, that's great, Moss. Yeah, that's really something we never learned. He never taught us. Like I've learned since then. After you, when you meditate, when you come back, you know, you, you you come back into your body. You make sure you're like you just said, like you're you're here. We never we never came back into our body. <laughs> you know, we would just like stay kind of boundless, and that was the point. Um, so the premise of meditation, though, for us was 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 really to become selfless. You know, we were trying to lose our ego. We were trying to lose our thinking. You know, we we wanted to go sit still and have our mind be quiet. You know, so this was our goal. And in there, inadvertently, we are disregarding our ego. We are not listening to our intuition. We are ignoring our gut. We are, you know, we are sacrificing part of ourself to be nobody. And I was really good at being nobody. I mean, I, that was like something I wanted to master. I wanted to be like nobody. I remember telling someone that they wanted to be Krishna, and I go, I I am like the dust on your feet. I'm so not Krishna. You know, that's like so ego. I'm like less ego than you. <laughs> no, I, I'm joking. But no, but that was my idea. It was like, you know, we, we wanted to have no, no, uh, we wanted it to be God's will. You know, we wanted God to direct it, not us direct. And in there, without me knowing it, you know, you give up so much of your self-identity and, and your personal flavor. Um, and so those things are really part of who we are and our gut and our heart and all those intuition uh, aspects of us, we need to listen to those, not, not give those away. Um, along with that, can you talk about losing all desires or how, they, how he made you lose all desires? Well, I don't think he made us lose all desires. I, I, I think he wishes he could have. Uh, we tried. But um, it was interesting. Desires, when they would come up, like, oh, I want a car, or just some kind of silly desire, you would, we would do self-inquiry. Who wants the car? Who wants the ice cream? Who wants to go have sex? Like, oh, it's just my child. You would identify the person that wants the desire, and then you just dismiss it. That's a silly desire. It's not going to bring you happiness. So we would analyze ourselves so much when any desire came up or any kind of selfish, selfish thing, we would dismiss it. Now it wasn't until I got out of the group that I had total freedom, total my whole life back. I could do whatever I wanted. And I, I looked up at the sky and I thought, oh, what do I want to do? And I was like, I don't want to do anything because I had learned to disqualify all of my wants and my needs. And I would just, it took me years. I had to ask myself, what do you want? What sounds good to you? What feels good? What do you think feels good? Well, if you could have anything, what would it be? You know, I had to like reinvent myself and, and rediscover myself because I had learned to ignore all those seeds. And seeds are desire. Desires are seeds. And we all, you know, expand and we all become more. And the universe gets bigger with us. But we were pretty much choosing not to do that you know it's interesting especially of the buddhist culture uh they tell you to say lose all desires but you know in reality since we are human we have desires so i always teach that you know you step away from your desires you create a solid foundation so the desires that you do have don't distort you and that's where the key problem is uh, i think a lot of religions a lot of cults and so on they because his Philosophy is based on some Eastern teaching, like you were telling me. Yeah. 
right so so that's where it comes from uh, again you move away from all desires it's a self-sacrifice uh, and you're supposed to say suffer in this realm um, and then that's how they control you um, uh, as well it's very easy to control somebody when they have no desires and if they do have desires they feel guilty about having the desires right uh, so that's the control source that they use so uh, the important thing is that having desires is very important but then being controlled by those desires that's where the problem comes so having an abundance of money having abundance of good friends having abundance of say self-love all those things come come into you full force or what I call 360 degrees because now you have a solid foundation you understand that that is more of the icing on the cake rather than the actual cake uh, let's go ahead and talk about okay you know something's going on wrong that it shouldn't happen but then you negate the emotions that you have about that and that's how say child abuse or uh, starts to happen do you want to talk more about that yeah I can talk about that in in relation to meditation how I figured it out I mean I think when we were meditating and surrendering our opinions surrendering our likes and our dislikes our wants and our you know whatnots what happened to me, I think, in meditation, and, and one of my goals in trying to be nobody was when something would come up that, whether it was a desire or one, or hate, something you hated, that you had to live through, we would compartmentalize it. It would just be kind of ignored. Um, and I think this happens with children, with child abuse, of course, you know, where you just have to learn how to live with it and you just compartmentalize it. I remember, I'll tell you something personal when he would have when he finally moved into a sexual relationship with me on his terms um when he would he would have sex with me once a week for five years this happened ritual and i remember thinking to myself as soon as it was over my mind would say okay okay you're okay you're okay it's over, you have a whole week before you have to worry about this again. And I would compartmentalize and I would ignore, I would know when I could talk to you about it. I couldn't talk to him about it. And I would just ignore it. I would compartmentalize it until it got to be Tuesday or Wednesday of the following week and I'd start getting nervous again. I said, oh, tomorrow night's the night, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And this is happening over and over and over for five years. So I would make it through the week because after that, everything would be normal. I'd have all my friends, I'd be doing all my things, and it wouldn't even be topic of conversation. And he was my guru, which I was supposed to be adoring and loving and having only good feelings towards. And I was hating him because of these unforeseen um, you know, boundaries that were being ruptured that I didn't even know were mine. So did he, did he ever use that to say, You'll have sex with me, and then you'll be enlightened. It's a faster path oh, yeah. because a lot of oh, gurus yeah. use that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's very lucky to be with him, and he was with his guru. Yeah, which is bullshit because he didn't have a guru. Um, and he, yeah, very, very lucky to be close with him and his energy. Um, I don't think he actually used like you're going to be enlightened, but I mean, but yeah, it's like this is every step towards closer and closer towards enlightenment. Yeah. Uh, part of that is actually uh, talking about yourself as a second person because it's easier to compartmentalize. 
right? Especially if you've been abused, you separate from your identity anyway. You actually create a duplicate of and yourself. We were doing that anyhow. And we were doing that anyhow. We were separating from our identity to begin with, right? We were. Separating. Well, he was training you, yeah. right? Yeah. Very interesting. Um, love and devotion. We were talking about love and devotion. I know we talked about it earlier. Do you have anything to add on love and devotion? Or how you're supposed to be devoted to him no matter what? And that was called unconditional love for, for, for him, right? Yeah. Or the definition of unconditional love. Well, this is a really interesting concept, love and devotion to a guru. Because I remember this very well. We were all pretty young. And we were all confused kids, you know. Hormones all over. Everything's. We don't know what's upside down, what's upper town, and we all. But we all felt like we resonated and loved him. And he said, "You're going to learn how to love by loving me." In India, you put all your love and devotion on something. Maybe you can't love yourself, right? But you can love a dog, or you can love your cat. Well, now we're loving a human being. Or you can love a picture of a guru. Or you can love a picture of a guru, that can make you feel very enlightened. Um, but he became, I think what he would tell us at certain periods is like, God is too abstract to love. God is too abstract to serve and to be devoted to. But in a human form, it's easier. Wow. Yeah. So put all that attention, do all that service for me, and it goes from me to God. Do all that love on me, and it goes right from me, past me to God. So it's like he's like the in-between doorway that we started to project something that was very natural, gratitude for life, love, whatever, you know, we would give it to him, kind of, you know, and, and it would go through him, then on. Not all the time, but, you know, a lot of times that would be how it would be. Wow. Uh, I'm speechless, actually. <laughs> nice. nice. Uh, oh, and talk about uh, speechless. Uh, no opinion. You were talking about no opinion or having no opinion. Uh, whatever your opinion was, was all wrong, right? Well, that's my favorite. When you use the wrong word, that's my favorite. I would. I was very argumentative. I had been around him long enough that I would say what I felt sometimes. And having no opinion was very was very difficult. Um, uh, it's it's not speaking your opinion would be would be the best I could do was not to speak my opinion. I could not have an opinion. I tried. It was my goal was not to have one. I thought something was wrong with me because I had so many, um, right? But one thing, when I'd have an argument with him, and I would, I was right, you know, basically. The light was green. What can I say? Who, you know, who, right away, he'd be like, you know, the, the, the theory on that or the philosophy on that is if you're right, you're wrong. If you're right, you're wrong. The guru's never wrong. If you're right, you're in your ego, because your ego is trying to prove itself. So right away you're wrong, because you're not in God, because God doesn't give a shit. So you're in your ego trying to prove yourself, and you're wrong. So whenever I was right, I was wrong. When I was wrong, I was wrong. So I was just wrong for 22 years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. And if you have, one. That's a tough one to get around. It is. And if you have problems, well, it's your problem that you have problems. Exactly. And here's another one that you can never get around, um, which is he's the guru. You know, when it came down to it, like you'd have an argument, he he goes, "Shut up, I'm the master." And you're like, "Oh, okay, I guess this conversation's over." So basically, it's like I trump everything. You know, you really need 
you know, you, you will never be where I'm at. You'll never be able to supersede my opinion or my anything. So it was like chess, you know, it was like being checkmated every day. You know, you're, you're never going to win, you know, but that's kind of what we signed up for at the beginning was to have our ego destroyed. But, you know, you can have your ego destroyed in a week or two. You know, the army uses that concept. Um, and the process that I use, it's not that I destroy your ego. Uh, it's actually your spirit comes in and destroys your ego. So that's the key is, is like who destroys your ego. Because it is, and that's why the army uses it to create killing machines. It's very fast. It's very efficient. So your spirit uses it uh, again. Uh, and that's one key is that you never allow anybody else to destroy anything about you. Okay? It, the only thing that just can destroy you is your spirit. Okay? Uh, so that's one thing to understand. Uh, and, your, and your spirit does it in a very particular way. For example, if you're always right, if you think you're always right, or if you expect a certain situation to happen, it'll do it the totally opposite to get you to the exact same spot. Okay? So it's helping you. It's, it's helping. destroying you to help you. It's destroying you to help you. Yes, right. And 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 uh, you know if you've been say uh, abused or if you've been let's use anger. So if anger has been used to control you, okay, uh, your spirit will use anger to help you move away from that control source. So, yes, you know. Well, it's a great tool. It's been used before to control you. Right, but now it uses it um, for the opposite. So, so those are the fine distinction distinctions that we uh, we have to notice. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Oh, let's talk about intelligent people and how they get hypnotized so easily and got into cults. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think everyone's vulnerable to hypnotism. Um, I read this woman. I didn't read it actually. I just read the blog. But um, she was writing a book about the con artist, the con man in our day, and, and there's two things that have to be there for a con, and why any intelligent person, most intelligent people, can be con. Because one, we're all sometimes in the middle of a transitional period where you're going from one thing to the next, or you're lost, or you're confused, and you're looking for some kind of guidance or some kind of stability. And then comes along a con man who promises with magic, like certain magic things, a certain air of confidence that they have. And so the con man's job is to go, I have this confidence. I have what you need. I can give it to you. And then you want their confidence. And he, he really did exude that. And when you're coming to people who are intelligent on another day, that day they're not, you know, um, anyone can, can, can fall into... Well, and the other thing that's interesting when you say intelligent people, it's like you're kind of categorizing people, kind of like what schooled people, people go to school and not not, not school. Um, but I think, when I think of intelligent people, I think of people who, when I think of me and my friends, because I think we are, most, for the most part, intelligent. Obviously not very smart, but intelligent. Um, I think that we have lived a lot, and we have seen a lot, and we have been exposed to a lot, and, 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 and we haven't found the meat. And so a lot of intelligent people keep looking. They, they're not satisfied with just whatever. They go, I want to go further. I want to look farther. This wasn't it. That wasn't it. So uh, they end up in these really extreme situations because they, I think a lot of them have extreme potential. To, well, not maybe, maybe not extreme potential, but they're striving for something. And, and not everyone is. Um, 
So I think a lot of people like that end up in, in, in high. And there's also this other thing that's really appealing to intelligent people are these high demand groups. We haven't talked about high demand groups like Scientology, for instance. I mean, you get into something like that and you're like, you're on that tram and you, you can't slow down and you're going so fast. You don't know. You don't have time to think. You don't have time to question. You don't have time to ask, well, what do I think? How do I feel? Who am I? And we were on a, we were a high demand group, meaning even in the name of God and in the name of love, it was service 24 seven. So if there wasn't something that you were late trying to finish and do, it was service, service, service. And in that situation, you don't have really time to think and stop and, and have a lot of critical thinking. And we haven't even talked about sleep deprivation, but that's for the next episode. Because <laughs> uh, it's almost two central time here as we're recording. Uh, let, let me talk about um, uh, intelligent individuals, and that's why I uh, frame that, because I see it from a different perspective. Uh, you see it from, say, the physical, the logical, physical side. Uh, I actually see it from a time frame. Uh, perspective and the intelligence that most people seek or people who think they're intelligent or people who look like they're intelligent or who are intelligent are basically time-based individuals so time-based individuals can be manipulated very easily what does time-based mean time-based individuals so their knowledge is linear knowledge yes so for example uh, you learn a modality right or you learn uh, brain surgery Right? Or you learn some kind of modality that help you connect, right? And it's through an exercise, a physical exercise. Okay, so those are all time-based or time-bound. Uh, time-bound, anything can be manipulated through, say, spirit level or a higher form. So you have a time-bound intelligence, and then you have a timeless intelligence. The key is to run both of them simultaneously, so you don't get stuck in the old patterns right because you get pulled out of time so intelligent individuals they're not really in present moment because they'll always have to think for the next step they'll always have to think okay what am I going to be doing the next second they're going to strategize and it's time bound so somebody with his abilities okay can go in and tap in and that's why he studies you for say months uh, and so on until he gets actually he starts to learn how to trust you Right? or all the key traits that you have for you to trust him by having him trust you. Right? That's a tricky one. Yes. So, and then from that, he starts to understand how cerebral you are or how your mind works on, say, the logistics on how you became intelligent. So the underlying, say, layer or level on how you think okay? or how you absorb intelligence. Right? He hijacks that, and then he controls you. And that's why I say intelligent individuals are a lot easier to hypnotize. I see you're saying. Okay? They're a lot easier to control, okay? uh, especially if you make, him, make it think that it was their idea, and they have a purpose, because they're always looking for a purpose for higher intelligence. Okay? Uh, it is getting late. It's been a fantastic podcast. Will, do you want to talk about your film, how, where, the, where people can see it? Yeah. And then we'll do a meta-healing. Great. Okay. God knows I need it. Yeah. Um, yes, Holy Hell is available for download on iTunes and Amazon. It's also on Netflix for those of you who have Netflix, but iTunes, CNN aired it, but 
you know, they have commercials. Um, but it's a great film. I really think it's worth watching, uh, even if you haven't been anything spiritual, um, because it's all about betrayal of the soul, and we've all had that happen to us. Uh, I actually saw it twice. Uh, it was quite interesting. The first time around, it was really quick. Second time, I wanted to say understand the workings of his mind. So I was really say studying and tapping into him uh, while I was watching the movie. All right, guys. Uh, again, uh, Will Allen, thank you for for being with us. Thank you. Uh, you're so welcome. Uh, I hope you guys l learned quite a bit. Let's jump into the meta healing. What is meta-healing? Meta-healing is a meditation on steroids that transforms thousands of lives. Whether you're a meditation junkie or failure, this works. I guide you into a very, very deep meditative state, and I reprogram you through abilities I was gifted with after my near deaths. I access your admin level and reprogram your spiritual blueprint while you're in meditation. Through exponential intelligence, we combine forces to help achieve your desires. For those people on the podcast listening to the podcast, Cast guys again, sitting, standing, lying down, whatever is good for you. Getting comfortable. Okay, if you have meditated before and you think, say, you've been in a cult, you've been in a culture, you pray, uh, anything that, um, say, creates a memory. So if you sit a certain way, uh, say, your cult leader or your teacher tells you that to sit in a certain way, say, break away from that. Okay? And most individuals don't stand up right, while they meditate. And that's why I have you stand up, because it breaks you away from all the old patterns that you had. Okay? So really do something different. All right? Let's go ahead and take a deep breath in, nice and deep, just noticing your nose. Noticing your eyes, noticing your forehead, just to keep you in your body. Okay. For some of you who have been in cult-type situations, even if you've moved away from it, even if it's been, say, 20 years ago or so, it still controls you at some level. Okay. So some experiences for people might be really extreme in, in this, in this uh, meta-healing. Another deep breath, and again, inhaling through the nose, nice and strong. Holding it for a second or two, and again, commanding. And I use the word commanding because that's how you get your control back. All right? Just like the cult leaders commanded you to do certain things, right? To take control, to lose your identity, taking or controlling disciplined breath. Okay? And then exhaling nice and slow through the mouth. Right. Again, taking back control, connecting to the mastermind group. We didn't talk about the mastermind group. The mastermind group, in this case, obviously a positive mastermind group. It's the purest essence of all of us combining together, right? the purest understanding uh, without any, say, distortions of memory, of time-bound situations. Right? Gurus, on the other hand, or people who try to control you, use a negative mastermind. Again, the mastermind can be used for good or bad, just like any other tool, like hypnosis, meditating, right? a knife. Wonderful breath in again, beautifully deep. 
This time asking ourselves, how do I connect to Pure Source even stronger? And this is why I use Pure Source. It hasn't been adulterated, it hasn't been destroyed, uh, it hasn't been deprecated, right, from religion, from gurus, from spirituality. It's a new definition. Sadly to say, more and more people are using it, right, for their own purposes. And as a note, nothing religious, nothing spiritual. It's your connection to pure source or a higher order. But whether you know the definition, whether you understand it completely, it doesn't matter. You were created from that, say, definition. It'll come to you in due time. Uh, but that connection is only between pure source, yourself, and an awakened spirit. No in-between, no preacher that you go to, no middleman as like a guru in this case, okay, or a teacher to connect to pure source. Nobody can take you on that journey. And again, I stress that, okay? Wonderful breath in again, nice and deep, holding it. And then releasing, letting go, coming into the groin area. Okay. Again, for most gurus, most ashrams, most teachers that want to control you, most spouses that want to control you, anybody that wants to control you they start to destroy the animal identity that you have religions again take you away from from your sense of body from your sense of self right into a higher order you're supposed to forget this body this body is sinful this process brings you back into your body understanding Say the holiness of who you are, why you were created in physical form. Okay. So regenerating, help you regenerating the identity of self. And this is where sexuality, power of sex, power of control, using sex all come in. the power or those frequencies of being enslaved right? making you feel like an animal <sighs> so although gurus again another similar types they might entice you seduce you mentally or through the heart right? their main goal is again to degrade the growing area your sexual aspects now our spirit doesn't have anything like the growing area it just is but 
in definition or in translation of spirit into human form. We have the groin, we have the head, we have the heart, we have the senses. Spirit has none of that. So control the spirit. They control the deeper connections of the groin. Just noticing your breath again. And whether we breathe in as a group or not, even your personal breath, again, command that breath. Right? Say, I will breathe in now. I will hold it. I will release. And I'm not going to tell you to do that. Now that you know, uh, again, because you will follow me. That's how you followed others. So do it at your own command. And even if somebody tells you to do it, okay, even if they have good intent, always delay a second or two. Say, if I say it, again, I'm never try to control you, but even, even if I say it and you have the propensity to be controlled, you will automatically say, be controlled, not by my will, but by you giving up your will. Okay? So remember that when somebody tells you to do something, it's not about the doing, it's about who's telling you to do. Even if it's needed to be done, Make it your own command, okay? Or agree with that command. Like, go wash the dishes. Don't be a robot and just go wash the dishes, for example, okay? It's like, yes, you're right. It's a good idea. Dishes look dirty. They need to be washed. Wonderful breath in again, nice and deep. Just go ahead and work in silence for you for a few minutes. Really helping you say disconnect from the groin, the head, the heart. Removing all implants, removing all memories. Removing all confusion. So I continue to work on you as a note. 
even if you've disconnected from a guru or a teacher or anything like that. What I found out, when I help you spiritually disconnect, out of the blue, you might see them contact you. They say, hey, really seeing that you've ascended higher, we want you to come back and teach a class or come back in our community. Whether, uh, again, an ashram, a guru, a teacher, a church group, right? a function that you used to go to that you separated, uh, an old spouse, an old lover, what? they'll call you up. Okay? They'll want to connect. Okay? It's not about reconnecting. It's not that they were your twin flames. It's not say, a word from God or something that you're supposed to follow, it's actually for you to identify that they're coming back because they want to control you and suck the life out of you. We've actually disconnected that. They're feeling it. They want to come back. Again, suck the life out of you. So the answer is no. It's for you to stand on your own two feet and again take back control of yourself by saying no. Wonderful breath in again. As we end, just noticing where you are, I'm going to go ahead and leave you in this space. You can stay in this space for as long as you want. You're always protected. Masterminds uh, will be with you. Again, the purest of all of us. It'll still feel like I'm working on you as long as you stay in this space. So notice what you notice. And I'll see you next time around.